The Digital Lifestyle presents Tina Mobile, show number 104, for Thursday, March 1st, 2012. I'm Jose Ortiz. I'm Jason Coombs. And I'm John Dickinson. How are you guys doing? Yeah, I'm good. good, thanks very much. John, glad to have you back. Yeah, it's great to be back on. So it's uh, been, been a few weeks, uh, various things going on, moving house and things like that, been keeping me busy. So, um, but yeah, it's great to be uh, be back on and uh, get chatting some tech with you guys. Well, you'll have plenty of time to talk with us today because with Mobile World Congress wrapping up, we you know we obviously have a ton of news coming out of MWC to cover. Uh, in addition to the consumer preview of Windows 8, uh, which was just released yesterday. Um, and we might as well get started with that. Jace, I know you had a chance to uh, download and install it on the uh, on your Iconia. Um, so why don't you uh, kick us off with that? Yeah, sure. So um, <clears throat> Microsoft held a, a big event in Barcelona yesterday. Um, I thought it was a bit strange, so I just want to say thanks to The Verge for live blogging it because for some reason they chose not to live stream the event, which seems a bit odd given that you know The Verge wasn't the only site live blogging and posting video, uh, sorry, photos, and you'd have thought that Microsoft would have would have wanted to present their message to everybody rather than relying on you know kind of um, people passing on information. So although I believe now the video is available to watch in full, so. Kind of seems a bit mm. odd, but anyway, <laughs> I just thought that was really strange. Mm, but, they do uh, that quite a bit, don't they? Yeah, um, but uh, but anyway, so yes, that, during the during the event, they announced that the well, they actually didn't announce it. It's just all the sites really started, you know, kind of chattering about and releasing their their posts. That I guess they've had scheduled and links to the download. So I managed to get it downloaded uh, while I was at work yesterday and put it onto a USB drive and then installed it onto the onto the tablet when I got home. So. From what I saw of the, the presentation, it certainly um, they're pushing the story that I've kind of talked about. Um, in that, at the moment, and I'm not saying this is true. This is their message. Um, at the moment, tablets are kind of a choice. You kind of make a choice between a tablet, which is a, primarily a consumption device, and a, a PC or a Mac, where um, it's a creation device. And they're really pushing Windows 8 as being a no compromise device whereby you can use it as a tablet with the Metro UI and, um, you know, touch first interface with all different apps, you know, much like a, a traditional tablet, but plug in a mouse and keyboard and you've still got the desktop there. You can still run full, um, all that back, um, backlog of uh, Windows applications like Office and, um, Photoshop and all those sort of things that the kind of apps that you really do need a mouse and keyboard. So, you know, you can be there just briefly catching up on your email, see that you've got an email from your boss and it's going to take quite a bit of time to compose a reply. And instead of trying to tap away on that on-screen keyboard, you plug in your, plug in, as they plug in a keyboard and a mouse and fire up Outlook and, and away you go. So that was very much the, the story that they kept re-emphasizing. And that for me is, is the kind of the angle that I'm most interested about that, you know, I, I can have a device that works in both ways. And I've said that the installation went really, really smoothly on the on the Iconia. Um, no issues. The only couple of drivers I needed to add was the uh, the G4 sensor, um, so it can detect when it's been rotated between portrait and landscape, and also the Bluetooth drivers. But certainly the the, the biggest impact for me um, is really just how much more polished 
the interfaces and all the the metro apps that are now included it's it's certainly a almost like night and day compared to the uh the uh developer preview that came out last year is it is it really that uh, when you say there's a big difference i'm I'm assuming you're just talking about in terms of performance and fluidity yeah um i mean i have to say that you know i I said before the developer preview was was pretty stable and, and pretty fluid but um but I must admit, I, I just find that the finish now is is you know definitely much more um, closer to the to the beta um, that we've kind of come to expect. I know the Windows 7 beta I found really really stable, and you know the the Windows 8 beta, as let's face it, that's what it is, despite their labelling it as consumer preview. Um, yeah, it just feels much more fluid, and for example, a lot of the features that um, weren't there in the developer preview are now there like the semantic zoom and um, the fact that when you want to move an icon um from or a tile from one place on the start screen to another uh, one thing you couldn't do in the developer preview that you could now is when you actually have that app uh, sorry the tile floating to move to a new place you can actually use the other hand or finger to scroll the screen so instead of trying to navigate the screen with one and you know when you kind of drag down and then the screen starts to move you can actually just move the screen slide it around with the other with the other finger and then drop the icon in place so it's it's really kind of the multi-touch is much more um useful um and i say really that i can see the whole um experience has kind of evolved whereas before a lot of a lot was written about and I kind of had the same that you were really just using it as a Windows 7 PC really um, a lot of time spent on the desktop whereas now there's what was the Windows Live Essentials apps are now Metro apps and have really had their names kind of cut down the Windows Live branding seems to have disappeared and really you're kind of into Windows phone territory with mail and people and photos and music as opposed to you know Windows Live Messenger and Windows Live Mail and Windows Live Photo Gallery and all those kind of things but uh, I mean they're clearly not finished they're clearly um still uh, a lot of features missing from what you from if you compared them to the traditional Windows Live Essentials um, but uh, but yeah, just just feels a lot more a lot more finished, a lot more fluid, um, and a lot more time spent in the Metro UI. Cool. I mean, yeah. I, I saw a, <clears throat> saw a video. I think I think it might have been on the verge actually of the uh, uh, Tom's um, initial view of it, and I think they 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 properly integrated the uh, like a, a, file, a Metro style file explorer and everything now, haven't they? Yes, yeah, exactly. So when you open up the mail app um, and you want to attach a file, you know, it's it's very much a, a Metro Explorer. Um, obviously, one of the things they talked about just recently was the, the, the level of SkyDrive integration. And, you know, for example, when you're looking at the Photos app, um, you know, it, it really doesn't differentiate um, more than it needs to between what's on SkyDrive and what's on your local file system. And, um, the only slight problem I've come across, and I think Ian posted the same thing, is that although I've got the Windows Home Server connector software installed, um, when I go into Photos, it can see the folders, but it's not actually picking up the photos. Now, that may be because I don't use my Windows Home Server in home group mode. I still use traditional users, um, mm. which I think Andrew recommends that, that you use the home group. Um, so it may be that if I switch to that, that actually I'd I'd uh, have a have a, a more um, a better experience but you know at the end of these apps are just preview apps so um you know it's understandable that things might not necessarily work as you might expect them to 
Um, I was having the same problem with music, but when I was playing around with the tablet this evening, I suddenly noticed all the songs and album art suddenly started appearing. So it may just be one of those things that it just takes a bit of time. Yeah, quite possible. And the other, I mean, the other huge change is the fact that the, uh, the Microsoft Marketplace is now accessible. And there's quite a few applications in there, games like Burn the Rope and um, and all sorts. The the biggest omission I've I have found, um, for example, when you go into People, um, it works again much like Windows Phone in that all t- the Twitter timelines integrated. So you, if you click on a on a person, you know you can see their their Twitter. But in the App Store, I've not been able to find anything to do with um, a Twitter application. Uh, right, nothing there yet. Yeah, which is kind of, I mean, there's no, what, that's one of the things I kind of expected to be there would be, you know, a Facebook app, not that I'm on Facebook, but, you know, Facebook and Twitter and because, you know, people want to talk about Windows 8 and what better way than to give them a, a Metro Twitter app. Yeah, you think social networking sites to, <clears throat> to spread the word would be uh, one of the first things, really. But uh, I said they'll, they'll come in time, won't they? Obviously, it's, it's still only a consumer preview, so um, there's still time for these apps to be developed. Yeah, I mean, I noticed today that the um, that the marketplace tile had got four updates. So you know they're clearly, as they said in the in the announcement yesterday, they're going to support these apps going forward. You know there'll be updates released to the operating system. I guess you know both security updates and maybe the odd extra um, uh, spit and polish in terms of uh, apps um, come through. But certainly the, the Metro apps have certainly been updated from the App Store. And hopefully they might allow a few me- a few more people to to publish into there as well. Mm. But so far I've been been really enjoying it. That's cool. Yeah, I mean I I know the the last couple of uh, shows I, I've mentioned that I'm I've been on the border of buying a Samsung Series Seven Slate. Um, and since then I've actually been watching a couple of auctions eBay for the original build tablet as well. But um. I, I don't know. I've held off. I thought the consumer preview was going to push me towards it, but uh, yesterday the digital media zone um, held a, a screencast kind of going through um, Windows 8, and I, there was nothing that compelled me enough to say, okay, I, I got to play with this now. I mean, I'm not saying I'm not going to upgrade to Windows 8 once it comes out. Um, I'm probably not going to upgrade my HTPCs. Uh, but more than likely, yes, my desktop, and, and yeah, I'll probably have Slate by then. Um, but there's nothing there that makes me feel like, okay, this is this is a game changer. I have to get on it now. Um, and I was kind of disappointed to see how much of the of the Metro interface has taken over now, right? I mean, it's pretty obvious that's the direction Microsoft wants to go in. That that Metro interface is should be your primary interface, which I think is fine if you have a touchscreen, if you have a, a slate, a tablet in hand. But, I mean, if you just have your a regular desktop workstation, um, I, I mean, I, I didn't see a start button at all. Is there a way to, to still have the traditional start menu? The, um, I think Ian posted a, a, a way to... Um, change the registry to make the start button come back but I mean to be honest I, I would be amazed if that makes it through um, to the final release and the with the if you're using a mouse and keyboard uh, obviously with the keyboard you've got your mouse sorry the windows flag button uh, unless you've got a mac um, 
And if you're using a mouse, uh, it's literally a case of just moving the mouse down to the bottom left of the screen, which you would do to hit the start button anyway. And the um, I haven't been, uh, one thing I haven't done, which I did do with the developer preview, is actually stuck it on a on a laptop. I haven't had a chance to do that, but from what I've read, um, if you move the mouse down to the bottom left corner, you get like the charms bar pop up, um, which um, and then. It, I also believe, and again, I haven't seen this personally, but if you then right mouse click, you actually have some quick links to um, kind of core parts of the operating system that wouldn't have necessarily been easy to get to from the traditional start menu. So it is in there, um, but obviously when you when you click the start button that pops up, um, it is just going to take you back to the to, to the Metro Home screen, which I know some people um, have still kind of taken a dislike to. But one thing I did find is when I had the developer preview on on a laptop was that once I'd got the start screen organized how I wanted it to um, and got my apps back pinned to the uh, taskbar um, I just I didn't really need to go back to the start to the start screen and I must admit that's how I use my Windows 7 laptop at work that all this I'd say 90% of the apps I use are pinned to the to the taskbar now so it's very rare that I do go into that start menu and if I do it's literally just to type and search which works exactly the way it did albeit in a different UI yeah and I I, I hear you but it's still I mean it, it's it's seems a lot more annoying to get to be able to to just get in and work um uh, unless you're you're doing touched right i mean i if i'm if i'm on my workstation i don't want to have to go through that hassle and i'm just thinking it thinking of it from an inter- enterprise perspective i mean so many enterprise company i work for which is a it's a fortune 500 company it's a global company still issues laptops and desktops with windows xp on it um and if Windows 8 is going to be uh I, I guess that one directional um I mean that just gives you enterprise even less of an incentive to move towards uh you know an upgrade path given that it's it's obviously not geared towards the you know traditional I guess productivity method. Yeah, I can I can certainly hear that um, that side of the argument. I just think that um, in in many ways the the start screen is easier to navigate than the start menu. The start menu they had the the most recently used items um, which you can still pin um, to that to the start screen to make them easily accessible. But actually, when you get into all programs, it's it's I find it even now quite horrible to navigate, which is why I just tend to use the the Windows key and search. Um, with the consumer um, preview, which is different over the developer preview, um, there's now a button that actually shows you all programs, and that actually displays all programs at once, organised by their um, kind of traditional folder groups that you get on the start menu. So it's actually, in some ways, it's kind of easier to find apps on the start screen than it was on the start menu. And as I say, How you many apps still... do you have installed? <laughs> Well, that's it. I mean, in um, in enterprise, I'm not necessarily sure how many apps you know you'd have installed. And I think, um, in, certainly, as I kind of walk around our office, most people tend to have their most commonly used apps pinned to the start menu. Uh, sorry, to the start. Um, sorry, to the taskbar. And obviously, I accept that in XP, that's not an experience you can offer to people. But I think Windows 7 kind of really did evolve the way that the start menu. 
um, was used and for, certainly for me made it you know less important I mean one of the things that I'm just looking at the, the, the start screen now with all the apps showing and you get all the Metro apps first and then you've got all the basically all the program groups so it's much easier to actually scroll through and actually see um, because they're one, the icons are bigger than they are in the start screen. And you know, if I click my Windows 7 start screen and go to all programs, the, the icons are actually quite tiny. And I can, you know, actually my list of apps on my Windows 7 PC that I'm looking at now, I've got everything from Adobe Reader X and then, you know, 20, 30 icons. And then Windows Media Center, I haven't even got down to any folders yet. Um you know, Windows Live Essentials tends to install into the root of the all programs, as, as many apps do these days, to try and get your attention. So, you know, actually trying to find something that you want, you know, is, is I think, um, quite a challenge on Windows 7. I just, my immediate experience of, of Windows 8, I, you know, it seems to be a much better experience. The only the one criticism I've still got is that, as I say, the start screen allows you to literally bring it up and, and, and type to search. And obviously on a touch screen, you can't do that. So you actually end up getting back to the start screen and then gesturing in from the, uh, from the left um, to bring up the search. So it's actually, quite, it's actually more difficult to do it on a touch screen than it is on a, uh, on a traditional machine. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I don't know. I guess I still wish that they would have... Uh, you know, understandably, they have to complete in the tablet space. Um, but I still wish they would have just had a tablet OS rather than, than try to do this whole desktop tablet integration. And I mean, that I I, I know that's probably not very forward looking of me, um, given what Apple is doing with iOS as well. Obviously, a lot of the iOS elements are, are being built into. Um, into OS X. Um, well, you kind of have got, there's, you, there's a different. There, I think there's enough of a differentiation to justify at this point. At this point, um, I don't know. I, I still don't see the traditional desktop workstation. And and you know what? Maybe I'm looking at it for too much from a productivity standpoint. Maybe I'm not looking at it enough from from a daily consumer perspective. But I mean, these daily consumers more than likely interact with computers on a daily basis, also. So, I don't know. I think um, I think just to, to pick up on that point, though, that you you said that they haven't gone all in as uh, you know, like an iPad, but in a way they have. If if you want that experience, then get an ARM tablet running Windows 8. Yes, the desktop will still be there, um, but. I think those devices will be much more iPad-like. Um, oh no, no, no! But I'm, I'm not saying that. No, I'm saying the. I'm saying quite the opposite, actually. I'm saying they did go all in in terms of, uh, doing the the integration on a single OS, right? And and obviously pointing Windows 8 more towards the tablet side, rather than the the traditional desktop side. That's my issue with it. My issue isn't that they're not going all in on tablets. My issue is that they went in on tablets too hard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I must admit, I um, I mean, I, one thing I, I was, I could certainly see myself trying Windows 8 on on my laptop. But I'm not quite sure I would dare install the the consumer preview onto my uh, onto my work laptop. But um, 
I would certainly like to experience it. Um, unfortunately, Media Center is not going to be, although it's there, it's not going to be fully functioning enough. Um, I don't think looking at the problems that Ian's run into for me to upgrade our, our main desktop PC. But I would really like to try it um, with, in a um, environment like a desktop PC where I'm more used to using the desktop and just see how I actually do get on with it. Yeah, it would be interesting to because uh, like a lot of the a lot of the reviews and a lot of the um, the demos and things I've seen have all been focused around tablets. So I've not seen anyone really reviewing it or giving it a proper test run on a standard desktop or a standard laptop. Yeah. So I would yeah. be really interested to see how that works on a daily basis for people's you know work life and things like that. Yeah, and, and that's probably why I'm being so hard on it because. That's the perspective that I'm looking at it from. Uh, I, I'm not honestly. I could care less about the to- tablet fu- tablet functionality. I mean, I I barely use tablets as, as it is now. Um, I, I have the iPad. I mean, I have a few tablets. The the Sony one I bought basically to use as a remote control, which I haven't done. Um, you know, I have the Kindle Fire. Obviously, I have the iPad, and the iPad probably gets the most use, but even then, I, I'm not using... I use the iPad to play Words with Friends because I like the larger screen. You know? Mm-hmm. It's it's a very, very limited use. Um, for the most part, I'm you know, either on my phone or on, on my laptop, on, on my desktop, um, or through, you know, on my HCPC through Media Center, but even that doesn't, you know, that's obviously a different uh, interface altogether. Um, so I'm, I'm really more concerned about on a daily basis, when I go to my laptop, when I want to pull up, you know, when I want to work and be productive, and I don't have a touchscreen, I have a proper monitor, uh, a keyboard and a mouse. How is it going to affect my workflow? Yeah, no, I, I can certainly understand that, and I've, I know, I've got similar similar reservations. I just the only thing I can look at is my own um, PC usage, and I think that once I've got past that initial setup and got things kind of got my desktop set up the way I want to work with my um, SQL Management Studio and all those kind of tools that I don't think I would notice much difference because I think I'd just sign in, hit the desktop, and that would be, you know, that would be me done for the day. Hmm. Yeah. Now, but, let me... That, sorry, I was just to say, but that actually also raised another question. That actually, for, you know, if for people working like that enterprises, actually, what is the motivation to upgrade to Windows 8? Because Windows Seven's it's Windows Seven's going to have that that um, tag that Windows XP has. It's good enough, right? <laughs> well, I mean, obviously, from XP to Windows Seven, there's a massive difference, right? Even from Vista to Windows Seven, the performance difference alone was you know worth it to, to upgrade. But yeah, from from Windows Seven, and I know that I said that I, I would upgrade you know my my PCs to Windows Eight. I mean, just because that's me, right? I, I have to be, like, on, on the most recent OS. But that being said, like I said, I'm probably not going to upgrade my HTPCs unless something crazy happens with Media Center, you know, Blu-ray integration. Like, Blu-ray integration would be enough for me to upgrade to Windows 8. But uh, I don't know if even that's going to happen. Um but anyways, yeah, you're right. I, I don't even even on the desktop side, I don't see enough of an appeal to the everyday person to be drawn to upgrade from Windows 7 to Windows 8. 
on their desktop. And not many people, not many people have Windows tablets today. So even that population, I mean. Yeah, I mean, I definitely agree. I think, I think for the only things I can see that would really appeal to a, a consumer PC, um, desktop PC is the, um, maybe the enhanced security, like the smart screen filter on apps. Um, but also maybe the fact that they've got the PC refresh and the PC reset functionality. I think one of the biggest complaints I hear was, as you know, that one of those people like yourselves that always got family, families and friends ringing up going, can you just take a quick look at my PC? It's running really slow, you know, just to be able to hit a button that, that resets it back to um, a clean state and, and restores all people's data. And also... I think the fact that they're introducing this uh, settings synchronization over SkyDrive that, you know, when you, you know, maybe use a, a, a PC um, in one room and maybe then flip to f- switch to a, a laptop or something that, you know, all those settings get synchronized. So I think, you know, they're trying to come up with um, kind of USPs that would make people want to upgrade. But I, I'm kind of with you that I think, you know, Windows 7 is is going to continue, and I think, you know, I, I mean, I would put Windows 8 onto our onto our desktop, but like I say, I, I need the media center to carry on recording, and at the moment, the um, the DVB Logic DVB Link software is not integrating correctly, which is you know understandable. You know, it wasn't compiled for Windows 8; it was compiled for Windows 7. So, yeah. Well, let let me ask you. Let me try to to steer the conversation a little bit more towards the the mobile side since. We are supposed to be the mobile <laughs> podcast. Yeah, I'm sure. Ian will more than uh, cover Windows 8 on on the uh, the TDL show. Um, uh, another reason why I've held off on on buying that Series Seven slate is because I've been looking at at cameras. Um, I go to a lot of concerts um, and take a lot of pictures and video at those concerts. Um, and, and I need something that performs well in the light. I have this, the Sony, uh, G series point and shoot, great low light performance, but you know, uh, still, still not the performance of a DSLR. So I've been looking at mirrorless cameras, specifically the Sony NEX seven, which looks amazing. Uh, extremely compact. It's pretty much the size of the G series that I have right now. Uh, minus depending on what lens I use, of course. Um, and the kit, including the uh, 18 to 55 millimeter lens, is actually the exact same price as the Series 7 slate. Now, the reason I bring that up is because, you know, a, a ton of people, I, I go to these concerts and some people are just taking pictures with their phones, right? Obviously, there's there's a difference in, in quality there. But that, that being said, do, do either of you still have um, I guess a reason, or do you even own a, a point and shoot? Do you use a point and shoot uh, in place, or in addition to your phone, or do you do you relegate all your you know kind of random point and shoot moments to your phone now? And 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 also the reason I bring this up because we're going to get into one of the, the Nokia announcements, right? And Nokia announced a 42 megapixel <laughs> camera, yeah, uh, on one of their phones. So uh, obviously we're seeing the camera. Uh, be integrated into the phone more and more and, and you know, it keeps improving in terms of quality, uh, in terms of features even. Um, so, you know, we have this 42 megapixel camera on the Nokia phone. The, the NEX7 is a 24 megapixel um, camera. Um, 
and obviously there's more to take into consideration than just megapixels. But where do you see this going? And I'm just curious if either of you still use a point and shoot or if you just rely solely on your phone at this point. I think I am um, generally speaking, we take I take pictures on my phone, um, but that's generally because the phone is with me, you know, for out and about. But our actual camera is um, is about a ten year old uh, Nikon um, four megapixel <laughs> Coolpix forty five hundred, um, which you know doesn't sound much in these days, but it still you know takes better pictures than a camera phone. Um, you know, even when I was testing out the Lumia eight hundred, you know, it takes good pictures it's got eight, eight megapixel but i think ultimately on for me at the moment on a mobile phone it's still the sensor doesn't quite pick up you know um light and clarity as as much as a, a traditional camera does so i'd say if we're taking a planned trip out for the day um we would probably or a holiday we would still take the big camera with us um if we're taking pictures of the kids at birthday parties and things like that we would also use the camera um, but if we're just out for the day or just, like, as you say, just random shots that you just take in the moment, then then it's the phone I reach for. Mm, I'm, I'm probably exactly the same, really. I mean, I've got um, the phone for <clears throat> just everyday use because I'm, I'm the same, you know, it's it's on me all the time. So if I want to just take a picture, then I do that. But if I'm, <clears throat> if I'm going out somewhere where... I know that I want to take some decent shots. Um, I've had a um, Panasonic FZ18, um, which is kind of like one of those hybrid compacts to DSR, DSLRs, you know, with the, the, the in-betweeners, um, 18 times optical zoom and things like that on it. So that's what I take out if I'm, you know, going to take some serious photos because the quality of the photos is so much better than the phone, so... So yeah, it's kind of it's kind of it's kind of a mix really. So yeah, you know, the phone is obviously the one I reach for if I'm just taking a snap, and um, it, it, which was unintentional. You know, it, it wasn't planned. Uh, right. But 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 I do take the the, the proper camera out if I'm actually going to go and take some serious photo, uh, photos. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> it, it's obvious, and, and we can get into the the, the Nokia um, stuff now. Um, Sorry, Harris, just before you move on, I just, <clears throat> John, I think we talked about this briefly before, but John was on the show, just interested to hear what he thought about, um, with the Windows 8 on ARM announcements, the fact that it's been pretty much, although, like most things with Windows 8, Microsoft aren't, aren't really coming out and saying yes or no, but they, the fact that certainly all indicators are that no plugins like Flash or, um, Silverlight on uh, ARM tablets, you know, whether or not what John thinks whether or not that's a good thing or whether or not they should, you know, continue to support it. Um, Silverlight, I'm surprised about. Um, I'm surprised they're not going to support that and they're not going to allow it on there because that's theirs, isn't it, at the end of the day? And they, they want to push Silverlight for a lot of things. So, um, but... Flash, yeah, they can get rid of that for all I'm concerned. Everyone should get rid of Flash. There's no reason to have it anymore. Um, <laughs> and yeah, it's, it's kind of it's the way tablets are going, really, isn't it? They're, they're going this way with no, with no plugins. Everything should be run within apps rather than on the web. Um, so I'm not sure, really. I mean, I'm 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 going to sit on the fence with it a little bit. I'm, I'm glad they're getting rid of things like Flash. Uh, there's no need for it. 
Uh, but see, like say Silverlight, I'm quite surprised about because uh, they're trying to push that for a lot of websites, aren't they? To to move over to things like that. So, hmm. I think I'm. And that's specific. Thinking. That's specifically not on ARM uh, for ARM devices as well, isn't it? Rather than. Yeah. So on on Intel on kind of yeah. x86, then you'll be able to switch to the the desktop browser and you'll be able to install plugins where well. I mean I can say that iPlayer and, and and whatnot still are functioning fine but I think um yeah. I think it's gonna be I think um just kind of rounding up I think the biggest challenge that Microsoft are gonna face is that uh, which I don't think Apple necessarily needed to is that it's gonna be there will be some people that pick up a Windows eight on ARM tablet and suddenly you know completely confused as to why they can't you know install winzip and <laughs> you know all the other stuff that they've you know come to to know and love WinZip. So. <laughs> <laughs> what a great example <laughs> but i, don't, I mean let's say Does you know, let's still say, use winzip <laughs> maybe <laughs> but you know you're, as, not, as a, you're not still on ie6 are you <laughs> Oh, no, no, don't get Jose on me to using Internet Explorer. But, um, but I mean, say for example, you know, there, wasn't a, there wasn't a Skype Metro app out at the time, you know, that, you know, you can't just stick yeah. Skype on there. So I think it'll be an interesting challenge. So Yeah, I mean, it, you, you can see why they're doing it, but they're going to need the apps, the specific uh, apps in the market to back it up. Or otherwise, it's just going to be a massive fail. Yes, yeah, definitely. And uh, talking to Skype... And Windows Phone. <laughs> Sorry, Jose, you were going to go into something. I won't, I won't steal your thunder. <laughs> no, it's okay. Go ahead. We, we are, I, I was just going to tie in our previous conversation uh, to the Nokia 808 peer review, but let, let's go into the Windows stuff, the Windows Phone stuff. Yeah, so when, uh, oddly enough, last year at uh, Mobile World Congress, when um, Microsoft started talking about the Mango update, they showed off um, some preview shots of Skype, which we kind of took to be that Skype was coming pretty... Uh, certainly, we kind of expected it with the Mango update that released, I guess, what, August last year now, I guess. Um, and we waited and we waited and then suddenly... And we waited year, some more. And we waited <laughs> some more, yeah. And Microsoft went very quiet on it. They you know, went through the whole acquisition of Skype and we thought, well, maybe they're waiting to announce it on that day and that came and went and finally at Mobile World Congress they released the beta of the Skype client and um, which is nice to have Skype on it and I know I've talked to people um, that, you know, say that that's one of their must-have apps and for all intents and purposes it works quite well. Um, you know, you can hold messages, you can make calls over 3G and Wi-Fi and, you know, the app looks quite nice but then you start looking at the release notes and looking at the limitations and, you know, it, it, it really does show how much Windows Phone still needs to grow and evolve. Hopefully Windows Phone 8 um, might bring that. But, for example, Skype on Windows Phone, if you switch away from the app in the middle of a call, well, that's your call gone. <laughs> There's no, you know, no uh, yeah. background audio agents with that. And, you know, if you again, if you move away from the app, you won't get any conversations. That, whether or not they will, I don't know. But so far, they haven't implemented any kind of push notifications or even a live tile to say that someone's trying to get hold of you. So I think it, in some ways for me, it, it was a, a bit disappointing because it, it's one of those applications that really shows the features that still need to be added to Windows Phone. 
Yeah, I've I've not really had much of a chance to play around with it actually. I mean, I installed it um, the day it uh, was released, had a quick look around it, but I haven't placed any calls or anything in it yet. And uh, I tried to update my status on it uh, to say something cool like "Oh look, Skype for Windows Phone," but uh, it wouldn't let me. So no. <laughs> I kind of just <laughs> put it away then and uh, and and never went back to it. But um, yeah, it's certainly got a long way to come, and I think, um, I know it's only a beta and everything, but I mean, a be- it's been a beta that's been a long time coming. Well, that's you've it, got, I mean. You've got to hope that they're going to do it some more tightly into, to, a lot more tightly integrated into the, uh, the People's Hub or something like that in, in the near future. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I mean, I think I, I tweeted something like, it's taken them 12 months to get to a beta. <laughs> you know, it's like. Yeah, and, and, a, pre- and a, pre- a pretty crappy beta as well, yeah. as well isn't yeah. it? So. Yeah, exactly. So. It works, I, but. I don't, I don't think it's going to be enough to, to uh, make Jose start reaching for his Windows phone again. Mmm. <laughs> there. That Foursquare badge does will, though. <laughs> yes, yes, that will. Definitely, but uh, I mean, one of the things that they that they certainly didn't talk about at Mobile World Congress was Windows Phone 8. Um, whether or not they talked about it behind closed doors, I've no idea. But I I certainly haven't seen anything talked about or published about it. I don't know if if you guys have, but one of the things that um, has kind of reared its ugly head, although actually you know not necessarily saying anything new, is is Paul Thoret did a, a nice post just going over the update process, which. I think since the removal of the Where's My Update page is kind of returned back to the, unfortunately, back to the shambles that was Nodo, I think, with, you know, it was got issues with the disappearing keyboard bug, with uh, carriers still not releasing the update, and it, I don't know if, if you've experienced much, John, but it's, I found it really annoying that you're in the middle of typing a tweet or an email and suddenly the keyboard starts appearing and disappearing, which I know is due to background agents. So if you're patient and wait, wait a bit, the keyboard will stabilise until the next time the background agents run, but that's not what Windows Phone is supposed to be about. That's not the experience that, that I've enjoyed so far. You know, kind of sitting no. there and waiting your keyboard to stop disappearing, and when it's been fixed and it's down to the carriers to release it, it's just really frustrating. That was the nice thing about the Lumia, yeah. that it's unlocked, you know, so it got the update you know straight away. When, when we had the update and everyone was going on about this disappearing keyboard, I didn't know what they were on about because it never happened to me. Yeah, over the last few weeks, it really has started happening. I don't know why it's just started happening now for me, but or whether it's just, you know, I've only just really started noticing it now or something. I don't know. But, I mean, I must admit, though, I don't use my phone as much now since I, I, I tend to use the iPad a lot for a lot more things and the phone's more of an out and about thing so I'm not really I've probably not really noticed it as much um, but yeah you know I do, I do like my Windows phone but with all this update nonsense it's getting a bit tiresome now I will admit it is getting a bit tiresome um, they need to sort it out but I can't see them ever sorting out <laughs> my, my only hope is that um that if Windows Phone 8 is based on a Windows 8 kernel, that it m- it might be more serviceable than Windows Phone 7 running on um, Windows Compact Edition, um, in which case they might be um, more prone to, to issue updates directly to the devices rather than waiting on um, the carriers. But I just think yeah. 
might, just think might, that's... might, possibly. Yeah. So we, we, we're going yeah. about mites and possibilities ever since Windows Phone was yeah. released, don't we? So, I think, I think just ultimately that unless you're Apple, they have to, as much as I hate it, they have to kind of give a little to the carriers because otherwise the carriers just go, well, we just won't sell your phone. You know, the Apple iPhone sells like hotcakes, the Android um, devices sell like hotcakes, so tough, you know, you either give us some leeway in terms of releasing the updates or we won't stop them, so but it needs to, I stand by what I've always said, it needs to change we're the consumer, we're the most important if we, you know look after us, number one yeah no, it's true Um, it it is a shame Uh, but I say I do like my uh, I do like my Windows phone, I like the experience of it um, but yeah, it's, it's you know it's just little things um, that are not necessarily you know deal breakers, but are things that have been bugging you for too long. If you know what I mean, it's it, it, I mean the phone's been out for quite a while now, uh, and and we always come back to the same sort of conversations about you know or oh, maybe we might get this in the future and maybe this might happen in the future. Um, with nothing ever solidly coming from it, so something something needs to change. What that is, I don't know. But um, I, I think I think what John is trying to say is that his next phone is going to be either uh, an iPhone or the Galaxy Nexus. <laughs> you know what? Yeah, they're the two phones I've been looking at. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Honestly, to me. <laughs> I know how this is going to sound. To me, those are the only two real choices out there right now. Mm. I think, I mean, I can I can certainly see that Windows Phone's got a long way to go. I, I hope that Windows Phone 8 is another quantum leap forward. Um, but all I can say is that I, I still get great pleasure out of using my phone. I still really enjoy it. You know, I still use it all the time, tweet with it all the time. Um, you know, use yeah, but podcast. you... You also enjoy using Internet Explorer, so. <laughs> Zing! Doesn't really say much there. <laughs> so, moving on to more Windows Phone news. <laughs> um, one of the things that we've kind of been expecting with the, with the whole Tango stuff is that Microsoft have, have one, cut the hardware requirements for Windows Phone. Um, I'm just ignoring your hose there, I'm moving on. And, uh, <laughs> limited the memory to 256 megabytes, um, I think, uh, you know, um, basically cutting down the hardware requirements and also um, removing some of the um, features or, or certainly, like, for example, the background agents. So at the moment, like your Twitter app can poll every 30 minutes for new tweets rather than having to rely on the push services and that kind of thing is, is going away. But I mean, I can only think it's a good thing. Um, I know I've seen developers tweeting that they're really frustrated with the lack of background agents um, and also some apps are going to have to change um, the way they manage memory to be able to fit into that 256 megabytes. Um, but I think, you know, Windows Phone needs to get into any, any market it can. And I think, as I was tweeting, that I think with background agents, all the apps I know that use it, that I use, are all uh, using it for data. And I think in these kind of emerging markets that data can be more costly, um, have maybe lower limits or even, you know, lower availability. So I can kind of understand why they want to remove that. 
Yeah, definitely. So. I mean, it's, it, it's a good move from a developer's point of view. I know uh, a good friend of mine, Martin, who was on the uh, the show with us for, for back up quite a while ago, uh, talking about developing for Windows Phone. Um, you know, the, the, this is the kind of thing that they want to see from a developer's point of view, just making life a little bit easier for them and uh, giving that little bit more flexibility with their uh, the way that their apps function. So, yeah, so Nokia um, announced the Lumia 610, um, which is one of these kind of, for want of a better word, but budget phones. Um, but from from what I've read of people using it, it actually still feels quite like a nice quality, you know, um, Nokia device. So it'll be interesting to see um, with that as kind of devices moving into emerging markets, whether or not it can help to, to bolster the, the market share a little bit. Mm, do you think these are the these are the kind of phones that you remember when Nokia first came out and said oh when they came out with the Lumia 800 and things like that and they they released that series of was it the Asher phones was that, was that yeah. right yeah uh, I think that's what they're aiming to replace sort of those Symbian cheaper Symbian devices with cheaper Windows phone devices instead yes I think that is most that's definitely where they're heading and I also um, I didn't pick up the link, but I also read that the Lumia 610 was and, and the and the Tango update was actually developed quite closely with Nokia, um, because ultimately Nokia are looking to get rid of the Symbian OS and they need to have a device to replace these Asher um, type hardware. And you know, at the moment, you know, your standard Windows phone is is out of the price range of those emerging markets. And you know, mm. I mean, they were talking about what the some of the Asher phones were like 30 euros and yeah, you know, the, really only way, cheap, yeah. the only way Windows Phone can get down to those levels is by cutting the hardware requirements and you know removing the need to, to have certain hardware devices and the, the amount of memory and I think also the size of the screen was also reduced so I'm interested to see where it goes I know people have talked about it fragmenting the market but I think um, I think I would prefer to look at it um, and I know uh JT Bennett on WP Central posted an update to his post um, saying that he'd, he'd swapped some tweets to someone saying that, you know, it's actually more about differentiation than fragmentation because it'll still be the case that you write the app once. Um, so it's it's subtly different from what I understand of Android development where you actually have to target development on particular devices quite often. Um, this will be that um, you'll just still publish your app once and it will either notify the user that this app's not going to run on their device or that it will run with certain limitations. So, But ultimately, it will still be the same code. And I've also seen tweets from Microsoft starting to contact um, developers whose apps have been deemed um, an incompatible with this lower hardware requirement to, to help them develop their apps and get them to, to run on the, on the broader range of hardware. Yeah. So it should be good, but... One thing I was more interested in was the announcement that the Lumia 900 is going to be going worldwide, um, hopefully coming over here into the UK. I think Carphone Warehouse had a pre-order up originally for June, which they then moved forward to May. Um, but, yeah, the Lumia 900 looks like a, a really nice device. It's certainly what more the, the the size of the device that I'm interested in with 4.3-inch screen and, you know, um, front-facing camera. Um, so, yeah, it should be good. Yeah, this is the one that we were originally hoping for when the 800 was released, weren't we? So it's just, yeah. uh, this is going to be, uh, uh, well, Nokia's first proper Windows phone from the, uh, <laughs> from the, from the 
real Windows phone that they the first real Windows phone that they released last time. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Exactly. So yeah, look, look forward. I think um, depending on what comes along with hardware rise in terms of Windows Phone 8, I'd I'd like I'd maybe look at that when my upgrade comes along. So it looks like a nice phone. And Nokia also um, announced that coming in hopefully sometime in March is an update to the Nokia Drive software version two. Um, which will introduce uh, speed camera warnings and things like that. But also they were showing off a preview of Nokia Drive 3, which will um, have introduced things like live tiles that will show you, it will, it will learn kind of when you regularly commute to work and start displaying alerts about traffic and automatically routing you around them. So kind of really starting to add features that make it, for a free application, much more close to um, your traditional TomTom and Navigon apps. Yeah, and it, it, it's in those applications. Well, we, I know we've said this before, but it's in those applications where Nokia are really going to have their impact on Windows Phone, isn't it? So, yes, yeah, and they also uh, announced like a reading app, um, and you know, and and also really, as I've kind of noticed more and more, is that their marketing juggernaut just continues. I know on around Valentine's they're running a, a Nokia Lumia cab that you could just tweet and it would come and if it was free it would just come and pick you up and give you a free taxi ride so it's certainly uh, they're certainly pushing the Lumias as, as much as they possibly can so hopefully um, hopefully they can help to increase awareness and market share and hopefully I can just hope that Windows Phone 8 as I say really gives another quantum leap forward when they start to talk about it And with that, I'll let you guys do some talking. <laughs> <laughs> well, you you, uh, you didn't mention the uh, what we were talking about earlier, and that's the uh, well, probably because it's not Windows Phone. We know you only pay attention to, that, to Windows Phone, <laughs> but Nokia also launched the uh, the 808 PureView, um, which is actually uh, running Symbian, uh, and that's the 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 42 pixel device that that kind of led to that conversation I brought up, brought up earlier. Um, um, obviously, it's running Symbian, so it's uh, you know, it, it's it's not going after that uh, that that market. I'm not sure. This must be one of the kind of the, the leftover uh, devices that they had, and and uh, that that camera must have been just enough to say, you know what, let's just put it out just so we can show off this camera. Um. And uh, it, it's obvious that it's not there to, to kind of compete with the higher end uh, cell phones. I mean, the it's only got a, a 640 by 360 resolution uh, display, uh, 1.3 gigahertz um, processor, 512 megs of RAM, um, but you do get uh, 1080p video, uh, obviously with that with that sensor, uh, in that that 41 megapixel. Um, camera um now with that camera you're not getting don't expect i should clarify don't expect to shoot 41 megapixel size photos uh really what it's doing is that it's able to um pull in additional pixels uh and basically oversample um your your image what you're shooting um and then brings it down to you know, manageable. I think it's like five megapixel. Um, the final output is five megapixel resolution. But, but the images that they were showing it showed that they, they had printed out some pretty large posters with these five megapixel shots, composed of the the forty one megapixel stills 
Um, and, and there was barely any noise at all, if any, uh, on those images. So pretty interesting, um, technology there. Um, and you know, it always starts with one manufacturer and then it starts leaking, um, out elsewhere. So, uh, yeah, definitely. I mean, it's, it's amazing to see that they're, uh, they're cramming cameras like that into phones now. It's just this, this huge leap forward. That is, it's only a matter of time before we start seeing cameras like that in all the phones, like you say. Yeah, yeah, and uh, I, I think that's why we're seeing kind of the, these mirrorless cameras come out too, because kind of as, as we mentioned that the the camera, the point and shoot uh, aspect of things, uh, it seems now to be rele- relegated to the to the phone, and uh, now we're starting to see these mirrorless cameras with um, capabilities similar to those of a, of a pro DSLR uh, built into the body of almost the size of a point and shoot. So, uh, you know, the, 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 the size of the, the sensor and, and technology being built into phones and obviously being a lot smaller is going to benefit um, the, the actual camera market as well. So, Definitely. And we've just got to see whether they can uh, find some ingenious way of building a uh, optical zoom uh, ability into it next. Yeah, yeah, that's that's what I want to see. <laughs> yeah. Keep it compact, we'll get a nice optical zoom lens in there. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Um. All right. Well, let's let's move into uh, I guess some some Android news. Um. Uh. It looks like there's good there's already hints of uh jelly beans supposedly coming this fall um which you know given that that there's still really only one ice cream sandwich device out there yeah. uh but that seems to happen every time right we have the the nexus device that showcases the next version of android and then uh as soon as that comes out there's already talks of of the next version uh which is supposed to be be jelly bean but uh this came from uh, Hiroshi Lockheimer, uh, VP of Engineering um, for Google, uh, for mobile for Google. Um, and it, it seemed like he hinted at a, a fall launch. Um, seems a bit quick. Uh, I'm going to say probably it, it's probably going to follow the, the usual uh, timeline, which we've seen more end of year. We'll see another Nexus device with Jelly Bean. Um, yeah, but nonetheless, I mean, hey, that's yeah, uh, it's, cool, it's good to see them, yeah, continuing to kind of set this this cycle up, right? So now we can expect similar to what we've seen with iOS, we're expecting regular cycles, um, and yeah. we know when we can expect the next version. Uh, now, if only they can, you know, address that little fragmentation issue, um, then we'd be all set. That's right. I mean, if Jelly Bean's going to be anything like uh, ice cream sandwiches, then uh, yeah, it's going to be a really interesting release. That is. Is there any um, any news yet on whether uh, any you know which which devices are going to be the next ones to get ice cream sandwich and when? Uh, well, Sony has been pretty open as far as what uh, their timeline has been, and they've actually put out some uh, basically test ROMs out there for. For people to update to if they want to test them out, um, but I, I think their timeline was putting them towards April uh, for a lot of their devices. April, May, 
mm. uh, for a lot of their Xperia devices. HTC uh, is about to release uh, some some kind of beta software for the Sensation Sensation XL um, to test out on the unlocked devices. Um, so the companies are starting to be a little more transparent as far as the timelines go. Um, but still no solid dates. Um, I don't think any phone has received an official update to ICS. Um, but it does seem that they, those updates are around the corner. Yeah. It's only a matter of time. I can see them coming sort of mid, mid-year maybe. Yeah. I know I saw, I think it was the, was it the Transformer, um, keeps getting pushed back in terms of when it's ice cream sandwich updates coming along. Uh, I think the Transformer got the ice cream sandwich update, didn't it? Uh, don't know. I'm, I'm pretty sure it did. I think it got it a week and a half ago or something like that. The, the Android tablet, the Asus Transformer? Was it the Asus? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, last, last I saw it had been, it had been delayed, but it may well have been pushed out by now. Yeah, I think it got pushed out already. So, uh, we have one tablet out there with Ice Cream Sandwich, but still only one phone. Um, all right, well, let's get into the, I guess, the device announcements. Um, the Asus Padphone uh, was formally launched, uh, which is a, a 4.3-inch uh, display, uh, Snapdragon CPU, Ice Cream Sandwich, uh, HPA+. Um, looks like it's going to have uh, dual HPA+, so 900, 2100-band, uh, which definitely puts it out for the European market. Um, and... Is that right? I think that's right. <laughs> um, now, is is this... Is this the, the, the one that was uh, going to have the, the dock, was going to have kind of a, a laptop or a slate component to it? Mm, this is what this is what I was just about to say. Is it that one? Yeah, because we we looked at that one a while back, didn't we? Which was just in a concept then, where the phone slots into a dock on the back of the tablet. Um, I mean, I mean, looking at the article on Engadget, it's got a tablet and a phone sat next to each other, so <laughs> could well be it. Yeah, yeah, it's that's that's the one. Yeah, that's that's. I really like that concept. Um, you know, of having a mobile phone that you can carry on with you, and then just when you get home, actually stick your mobile phone device into the display. So, yeah, that that's what's what's interesting about this one. Um, it's definitely a, a a cool concept, right? So you you have two devices, but it's really only one device. Um, and yeah, I mean, if you can get your your phone on the tablet, I mean that. That would be able to address uh, some of the issue, uh, some of the issues that I've had in terms of a, of a tablet, right? Um, at least I, <laughs> I, I still remember being excited about the touchpad uh, in the WebOS family because you would be able to put your phone on a touchtone dock, pick up your tablet, and through your tablet be able to receive your SMS, your yeah, your SMS messages. You could uh, you know receive your your phone calls. It basically it would be tethered to your phone. Um, so this is I, I guess this is making that concept a little more literal uh, in terms of, uh, I guess the tablet would be really just a screen and you would just dock your phone and, and your phone um, still 
still does all the processing for you, and, and the tablet is just, uh, I guess, another layer, another way to interface with it. Yeah. Yeah. I, <clears throat> I mean, I, I was actually chatting to someone at, at work about, about this kind of concept because, you know, mobile phones are just, you know, they're almost there now, and particularly some of the kind of quad-core um, Android tablets, you know, they're, they're almost as powerful as, you know, your, your Pentium PC at home. I'm sorry, showing my age. Your your Core Two Duo or your <laughs> your, your Core i Five, your Four Eight Six FX. But I mean, they are. I mean, you know. So why shouldn't your mobile phone that you carry around in your pocket making calls turn into your computer when you turn up at work? You know, I know we talked about this before with the Atrix. So yeah, it's certainly a concept that I, I'm you know really interested in. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Now, what will be really interesting is uh, what the price is going to be for those ex- for that accessory. Yeah, it's probably yeah, gonna be, yeah. Yeah, the price of a tablet plus the price of a phone. Yeah. yeah. Add a bit extra for the novelty factor. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> um, all right. Samsung uh, announced a couple of things. First, it was the uh, the Galaxy Beam, um, which is a smartphone running Android. Uh, but it also doubles as a projector. Hmm. Uh, so as a, a, a built-in projector um, for, for presentations, obviously, it's, it has a 4-inch um, WVGA screen, um, 8 gigs of built-in storage. Um, and apparently it's it's going to have 6 gigs of RAM. What? <laughs> yeah. Um. That's crazy. Oh, sorry. Six gigabits. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Which is 768 megs of RAM. Somehow. Okay. <laughs> I'm, ju- I'm just reading the article here. <laughs> um, now, the funny thing is that it's uh, it's not going to be running ICS. It's going to be running uh, Gingerbread. Uh, so, you know, talking about the whole fragmentation issue and, and the catch-up factor, you know, here they are now with ICS out, talks of Jelly Bean already, and they're releasing a gingerbread phone. Um, but the, the, the projector, obviously the novelty here is, is the built-in projector is going to be capable of shooting uh, the image up to 50 inches wide um, and 15 lumens of brightness. That's so, not bad from a from a phone size projector. Yeah, I mean, I guess you can set up your own little home theater on the road, huh? Yeah, that'd be pretty cool. Yeah. Um, and then the other uh, announcement is the Galaxy Note ten point one. So it seems like um, the Note is going to be the new uh, branding for the tablets uh, rather than Tab. Uh, which is cool. I mean, the Note is actually a pretty good name for 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 the tablet series. Um, the way I see it, is it's basically just an update to the tab. Um, the hardware looks pretty sleek. Um, it has um, built-in support for for the their Wacom-based S Pen, uh, which is the same technology that they used on on the Galaxy Note, the the one that uh, Ian has. Um, you know, for note taking and and for I guess more accurate uh stylus input. Um, because the for capacitive screens, obviously the style 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 that are out there have that huge rubber ball. You don't really get any accuracy. Um, 
it, it's not very smooth. So with this Wacom technology, it, it's a lot easier um, to use. And and the big thing is that it detects pressure sensitivity, uh, something I've been a fan of. Uh, obviously, I had mentioned my experience with uh, Windows tablets back in the you know tablet edition days. Um, and those are were all Wacom based um, active digitizers, and yeah, I mean that was one of the great things. Uh, pressure sensitivity; it really felt like you're using, you know, pen on paper. Uh, it reacted in the same way. Um, other than that, nothing major here. Uh, it's got a, a dual core processor, twelve eighty by eight hundred uh, display, three megapixel camera on the back, two megapixel camera on the front. Um, it will have uh, a built-in uh, cellular radio, um, posting HS, HSPA plus and, um, all the usuals. And yes, it will be an ice cream sandwich tablet. So this will not be a gingerbread tablet. Good. Um, a couple of more announcements. This one seemed to make, uh, a lot of waves because it was, it was a quad core phone and that was the, the Huawei Ascend D. Um, it's being touted as the world's fastest smartphone, um, boasting a, a quad core processor, um, 4.5 inch display, 720p resolution, uh, which is started to seem to become the standard, uh, which is pretty cool to see those 720p displays. Um, yeah, definitely good to, uh, to get those in. I've, uh, I've never heard of this brand before though. <laughs> Oh, we've mentioned it a couple times, but it's it's definitely not it's it's more uh, kind of a Asia market type of thing. Right, right. Is it going to be the next HTC? <laughs> Maybe we'll see. Um, now a phone that kind of caught me off guard that looks pretty cool from a brand that I would not expect it from was the View Phone from ViewSonic, the View Phone 5e. It's a five-inch dual SIM uh, phone running ICS. Um, and just well, my my attention was really the the design. I mean, nothing crazy about the design other than just it, it looks extremely thin, mm. like ridiculously thin. Um, it, but man, that that View Sonic logo on the back of the phone just makes it look so tacky. That's the problem. It does, yeah. <laughs> um, but um, they also announced the 4S, uh, which is gonna kind of a a lower end device to to the 5e. Uh, it's going to be a 3.5 inch display with a one gigahertz processor, five uh, megapixel rear camera. You uh, know, it's also a dual SIM device uh, running ICS. So uh, anybody out there that does a lot of traveling needs uh, needs a dual SIM device or just has multiple lines and wants to put it onto one nice little package. Uh, looks like ViewSonic is going to have uh, a couple devices for you this year. I don't even know if ViewSonic made phones either. Where are these companies coming from? <laughs> <laughs> hey, Android made it possible for anybody to make a phone, apparently. Yeah, totally. It's, uh, we should, we it's should make a uh, TDR mobile phone. <laughs> yes. Yeah, we should, right? If only I knew how. <laughs> John, get on it. <laughs> um, all right, HCC uh, made a few announcements. Um, just one or two. Had, just one or two, yeah. <laughs> We uh so we had they, seen leaks. They're going to slow down with the hardware releases. <laughs> well, they they did they did. I mean these are these are three. Uh, okay, maybe they're it, maybe it's only really two with one iterative device. Um, I'm excited about one. I'm, I'm excited about 
what one of them means in terms of HCC, right? So uh, I'll leave that one for last. We had seen leaks and rumors about the HCC-X, uh, so they made that official. Uh, that's carrying a quad-core Tegra 3 chip in it. Um, so pretty beasty, pretty beasty with a 4.7-inch display, um, 720p display. Um, so th this looks like it's it's going to be their, their kind of, you know, extremely high-end phone. Uh, obviously, a massive display. Uh, it's going to be uh, have 32 gigs of built-in storage, running ICS. It will have NFC. Uh, awesome to see NFC kind of make it into, start to make it into the specs of these phones. Yeah, uh, definitely. Um, the I, I guess the the big feature on this um, is is the camera performance. Um, well, I, I guess the one series, and we'll get into the series more, but. Uh, with Sense 4.0, man, I'm, I'm all over the place right now. <laughs> Sense 4.0, um, they're putting an emphasis on on the camera software and being able to to take pictures quickly uh, in under a second uh, and autofocus in 0.2 seconds. Um, now, what's surprising about this is that as much of an emphasis as they're saying that they're putting on the camera, um, there's no dedicated shutter button. It's still on the screen, which I think sucks. I, I love having that two-stage shutter button. Um, just the tactile feeling makes you, you know, you know that you're taking that picture. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, I'm, I, I'm a big fan of the actual, uh, the proper buttons for, uh, for for cameras. Yeah. Um. So we'll see. Hopefully, the the image quality on on these phones ends up being better, but, uh, yeah, I mean, that's, that's the one X. Um, the other phone they announced, uh, which, uh, I would say is the, the middle of the road phone is the one S, um, smaller screen at 4.3 inches. Uh, so about half an inch smaller. Um, it is running ICS, uh, and they're saying that it's actually the thinnest phone HTC has ever made. Um, I can't think, of an extremely thin phone they ever did make. I mean, the Legend and the Hero were pretty thin, but mm. even them. Uh, let me see. Looking at my Nexus right now, I don't know. I, I think kind of phone, <laughs> when I, I think of thin phones, I can't really think of. I mean, when I think of thin phones, I automatically think of like the Razer, right? Um, yeah. So if if this is the thickness of the Razer, then that's that's pretty clean. Um, anyways, 4.3 inch display, uh, running a dual core 1.5 gigahertz processor, eight megapixel camera. So it's got a larger sensor than, than the HCC X. Um, and the, the sensor itself is, is, uh, backside illuminated, uh, which should help with, um, kind of some, some of those low light situations. Um, and again, uh, they go into, um, they talked a lot about the the, the camera for performance, uh, which we'll get into when we talk about Sense 4.0. Uh, but the one that I'm excited about is the One V, um, just because it, it, they're bringing back that that look, right? So one of the things that kind of defined HTC with Android was and, and caused a lot of discussion was the chin. You guys remember the chin yep. with the original Dream. <laughs> And the hero, and then the legend. I love the chin. People, some you know, you you either loved it or hated hated it. But 
but it was definitely a unique design aspect that allowed you to identify it, right? So you you knew what phone you had when you saw that that design element. Um, and then they moved away from it. Then all of a sudden they started producing this boring designs that did nothing that, you know, they look like every other phone. Well, the V brings back that, that chin design. Um, and, uh, it, it's going back to, to that kind of the, the legends unibody design, um, that the aluminum unibody. Uh, so it's made out of aluminum. Um, it, it looks a lot thinner than, than the legend was, um, this does seem to be kind of their, their lower end handset in terms of specs. It's got a one gigahertz single core processor. Um, uh, it's got, um, five megapixel camera, um, 3.7 inch display. So obviously it's, it's on the, the smaller size display, but man, it just, I, I love the look of this phone. I might, I mean, even though it's the lower end phone, I think out of all three, this is probably the one I would pick up. Yeah, definitely. The other two look very much like all the other phones, don't they? They're, yeah. They're, they're, they're nothing special. Whereas, yeah, like you say, you know, bringing, bringing back that chin design and it, it is a nice looking phone, you know, incorporating the chin design with the, uh, with the unibody uh, style, uh, style as well. Um, it's, it's got to make for a nice phone. It, it looks, uh, it looks pretty good. Yeah, exactly. Now, there's a couple things uh, with with uh, these one phones. Uh, first of all, obviously they're they're going with one as kind of the the series name, uh, the branding name, and, and uh, I don't know if I like the name. I mean, Samsung obviously has has stuck with Galaxy, which I don't think is a great name either. But the marketing has been out there so much that the name has kind of stuck. I I really didn't like the fact that the, the Nexus was called the Galaxy Nexus. I think the Nexus Prime would have been a, a more awesome name. Yeah. Um, but you know what? It The names, the brand is out there now, right? So it, it kind of stuck. And maybe that'll happen with HTC's, but HTC One, I, I don't know. Uh, Sony has a cool name, Xperia. I mean, they, they've, Obviously, the Xperia 1 was uh, their first foray into smartphones with Windows Mobile 6. Uh, Then the Xperia 2 was Windows Mobile 6.5. And uh, from then, they went to the uh, Xperia X10, X10 Mini. And and obviously, the Xperia name, I think, is a a great branding, especially associated with with Sony, right? Sony has those kind of very altruistic-type names. Um, I don't know. One, it, it doesn't have... I don't feel like one has an appeal to it, right? Uh, like the the one series, I don't know. I don't understand it. I mean, what's what significance has one got to this particular brand of HTC phones? Because it's not the first right. HTC phones by far. The first <laughs> HTC phone. And yeah, I mean, the only thing I can think of is that they're trying to use it as the one, right? Like this is this is the one. Mm. Um. It doesn't really come across like that, though. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. Um, but hey, you know they have—they're going for the branding, right? I mean, that's that's what I guess what everybody's going towards. Um, I, I'm just saying, Sony was ahead of the game on this one. They've had the Xperia line for a while now. Um, mm. But anyway, so so the other aspect is that they did announce Sense 4.0, and with Sense 4.0, there were a few things. So one, as I already mentioned, was the emphasis on 
on the camera software, being able to take uh, sharper pictures, more detailed images quicker, um, and an enhanced interface for that, uh, despite the fact that there are no dedicated shutter buttons on, on these phones. Um, second part uh, was... Um, emphasis on audio so they're integrating Beats audio deeper into their devices to make, to allow any application uh, access the Beats audio engine Um, previously it was only the HTC Music app, now it's going to extend to all other apps Uh, uh, so it's going to be more of a a core piece of these devices Um, another piece is uh, built-in car integration um apps, which really just makes them a lot more touch-friendly when you're in navigation mode. Uh, you have panels for contacts, navigation, and media. So basically, you can think of it as kind of, uh, the, you know, those those built-in um, dash units. Um, it's just going to have a, a more touch-friendly interface so that you don't have to dig deeper into these menus, which um, they already had kind of similar things in previous versions of Sense, but I think they're just making it more uh, transparent on this and, and more of a priority uh, on Sense 4.0. Um, and also Dropbox inter- integration. So something cool is that uh, if you buy any of these three phones, you get two years um, Dropbox Dropbox service uh, of uh, 25 gigs storage. Oh, nice. um, and the integration works very much like it does with uh, Google+, Plus, where images will automatically be uploaded to Dropbox for you. Um, and then, uh, alongside, uh, that they also announced, um, a media link adapter, uh, which is basically something you plug into your TV and you can stream from your HTC one device, uh, to, to the media link. Uh, they even integrated, um, this three finger swipe. So if you're playing something on your phone, you can do this three finger swipe up on the screen and you're basically... Uh, flinging it to the media link so you can watch it on your TV. Oh, nice! It's a bit like uh, it's a bit like an AirPlay type thing, but just yeah. HTC. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Oh, that's a nice idea. Um, yeah. Makes it. I mean, sort of, if you're heavily into HTC's environment, that makes it you know a lot easier to share your, uh, your the videos that you've took on the phone and things like that. So. Yep. Exactly. Um, so. Uh, like I said, I'm more excited about the V than anything else, because um, I feel like maybe that's a sign of HTC kind of going back to focusing on design. Um, but we'll see. So that was it for HTC. Um, and then Sony announced a couple things. Um, well, first it, it, it announced kind of availability of the Xperia Ion that we saw at CES earlier in the year. Um It'll be coming out this summer. This was the 4.6-inch display uh, with the dual-core processor uh, and a 12-megapixel camera. Um, from the hands-on that I had seen, uh, I don't know, the, the interface still seemed a little sluggish despite the fact that it will be carrying ICS. Um, but another, this is actually another phone that will have NFC built into it. Um, so that's pretty cool. Um, but the new uh, announcements were the Sony Xperia U and the Xperia P. So the Xperia U is going to carry a 1 gigahertz processor, 3.5-inch 3, 3. screen. So this is obviously their smaller device, uh, a little more compact. It's going to be have a 5-megapixel camera. Uh, and what I can only call a Beats competitor, 
uh, they're integrating XLoud, um, which is a, a sound processor that's supposed to make sound cleaner, uh, deeper basses, you know, the the usual pitch for that type of audio uh, processing stuff. And the uh, Xperia P uh, is a larger dis- larger device uh, carrying a 4.0-inch uh, display, also touting NFC chip, and the camera is able to shoot uh, 1080p video, 8-megapixel uh, camera. So this is st- still the same camera that the Xperia Ion is going to be carrying. So this is basically a, a smaller version of the of the Ion. So we have the Ion is going to be the the larger device, kind of top of range. Uh, middle of the road is the P, and the U is the lower end um, or smaller device. Uh, only only thing about the P is that it's going to be running gingerbread. What? Um, <laughs> There's no excuse for that these days. Yeah. So. Uh, and similar to HTC, uh, Sony is also announcing the Xperia Smart Dock, which lets you, you know, dock it to your TV and be able to to serve up your media to your TV. Um, the cool thing about it is that it does have this kind of unique interface um, that shows up on your TV um, that that lets you navigate. So it's it's uh, it's actually pretty cool. It, it's different than just flinging your media over to it. I mean, the 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 use case that I can see here is that you take this dock with you on the road, right? Like if you're traveling, um, you go to your hotel and you hook it up to your TV, and, and that's basically your set top box, right? Or your DVR, or whatever you want it to be. Um, I, I don't see a purpose of it using it at home uh when you can you know stream your media through through some other method but this is actually pretty pretty cool if you're on the road a lot and uh you want to kind of view your own media it has a pretty cool navigation interface there definitely i just have a look at the xperia p that's actually a really nice phone isn't it it is it is uh it's that's a good looking phone yeah yeah, I mean that that's why I had given credits to Sony uh since last year about their designs, right? Because they're actually coming out with some pretty nice designs uh, even though the the software pieces, the software component is is lacking quite a bit. Mm. So. All right, um just two more items uh and we can wrap it up. I think we've gone for Oh wow! Okay, we've gone on for quite some time now. <laughs> <laughs> We're going on an hour and a half almost. Um, We're making it for our half an hour show the week before. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, so sad news for for some uh, HP WebOS employees. Um, a little over 270 employees, HP employees, were laid off from the WebOS division. You know, due to WebOS going the open source way and you know obviously they don't have a need for too much engineering on that and there's still a smaller team that will be focused on supporting webOS and the open source initiative but it's definitely not the size that was required when HP was looking to to produce webOS devices um, the, I guess the the good news here is is that uh, a lot of the employees are being kind of relocated to other positions within the company, so they're not completely losing their jobs, um, at least not all of them. Uh, but still, you know, kind of 
another another step in the WebOS saga. Yeah, they've had a really uh, rough time of it, haven't they? Like the, the uh, WebOS employees. Yeah, yeah, um, exactly. I still um, <clears throat> I still wonder whether or not this is kind of a bit of a PR stunt, going well. You know what? We'll open source it and see where it goes, or you know whether or not they really are going to put. As uh, Andrew Edney would say, you know, the the full power of uh, HP behind it. <laughs> well, I mean, they're still actively working on it. I mean, just today I saw a story about uh, another release for Enyo with uh, widget support, I think, which we haven't seen on WebOS yet. So uh, we're, we're seeing it roll out. You know, we're, we are seeing the support. Obviously, it's not in terms of releasing these full-on versions and, and devices and whatnot, but ultimately I think they are releasing what's need. They're doing what's needed to be done in order to support the, the open source initiative. Mm. And uh, finally, uh, something to look forward to um, for next week is Apple's iPad 3 event, which is slated for March 7th in San Francisco. Yeah, looking forward to this one. Yeah, it's going um, to be uh, it's going to be interesting because this is kind of Apple's opportunity to answer. Not I'm not saying they need to, but this is kind of Apple's opportunity to answer to Windows 8, isn't it? Um, I, I guess I I don't. <laughs> no, I really like don't I said, think I'm not... Windows 8 is enough of a threat for them to say, okay, this is this is going to be a response. There, I don't think there's anything in Windows 8 that. Apple needs to respond to in terms of an iPad release. Yeah, no, I, d- I didn't mean it from that perspective. What I mean is that um, kind of Microsoft at the moment in most of its mobile um, areas, you know, Windows 8 tablet um, and Windows phone is they're trying to catch up with Apple. And that's kind of what, you know, they're trying to do. It's just what I mean is this is an opportunity to, for Apple to, to set that bar even higher, not because they need oh, to, but right, just right, because right. Apple will. Right, and and I think the I, I don't think they're gonna do that with software though. I think if they do it, it's gonna be simply on the hardware front. Um, obviously, they're talking about these this crazy resolution display uh, for for the iPad three, but I, I don't think anything is gonna happen software wise. Um, I, I express my disappointment uh, uh, with iOS five. Wait, what iOS are we on now? Five, iOS, yeah, yeah. Um, how basically they just took concepts from all the operating systems, put it in their own. Uh, but we didn't see anything remarkable with iOS 5. Um, so with, with the iPad 3 event, I think it's really going to be focused on on updated hardware. Um, and, you know, obviously it's software support for it, but nothing mind-blowing that's going to have to, you know, set send Microsoft back to the lab and saying, okay, how are we going to get over this hump again? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, and I think that about does it for the news. Jason, it looks like you have a couple of apps of the week, which we haven't done in a while. Yeah, um, I uh, had um, one of the things I tweeted about when I was trying out the Lumia 800 was what a pain it was trying to reinstall all the apps. And I, I pretty much ended up just installing the, the, the stuff I needed day to day rather than really bringing back all the apps that I kind of carry around on the off chance. But um, this is an app that I think um, 
WM Power User, I think it was, and WP Central ran a, ran a review of it. But um, yeah, an app called Reinstaller, which is a bit of a um, cheat in that what it does, it actually gets you to inst- log in uh, to the Windows uh, Phone website, the Marketplace website, and then literally just scrapes the page. Um, but it does mean that it gives you a nice um, interface where you can actually select to reinstall all your apps or just a selection. Um, you can kind of check all or uncheck all. Um, it uses the jump list. So it's a really nice way of um, quickly, <laughs> I use that term loosely, but getting all the applications if you're switching Windows Phone device because, you know, obviously people love Windows Phone so much, why wouldn't you get another one? <laughs> um, <laughs> but, I mean, it is... It is uh, a nasty workaround in that when you've chosen the apps you want it literally runs through them one by one um jumping you into the marketplace where that app is and then you, inst- you go through the process of installing it and then when you go back it automatically moves you on to the next app so it really is a labor intensive uh, way to do it but i just thought it was worth mentioning because um it does at least give you a way of um at least allowing you to hop from app to app to reinstall rather than going through and trying to remember all the apps you've got or using the web marketplace which will show you all the apps installed but then you still need to go kind of down the road of installing it and then backing all the way up to the next one and remember where you got to and so i thought it was worth mentioning cool i do know um i just would add that uh um Rafael Riviera, who's uh, joined the WP Central podcast, um, he did put a, a request out for the developer to get in touch with him because he thought he'd got a few um, kind of undocumented APIs that he could take advantage of to maybe make it a bit cleaner. So hopefully that might get improved in the future. Yeah, we'll see how that goes. Very cool. All right, well, I think that does it for this marathon episode (laughs) (laughs) hour and a half show but you know with mwc and windows 8 all in one week that's a lot of news (laughs) (laughs) actually one before we before we completely wrap up what what did you guys think did you think it was a good mobile world congress anything that you weren't expecting hmm i thought it was okay Uh, i'm problem is as i've mentioned before i don't get as excited about these phone releases as i used to because there's nothing unique about them i mean all we hear about now is you know how much larger the processors how much faster the process is going to be more megapixels in the camera but ultimately they're not doing anything to actually utilize it right so instead of instead of more megapixels in the camera i would like to hear about how they're improving uh, image quality or light, low light shooting or uh, kind of what HTC did in terms of, okay, we're going to help you take pictures faster and, and better quality. And, uh, you know, and I, I would like to hear, hear more of what they're doing to improve what's already there rather than just trying to sell me a spec sheet because at this point that's all they're doing. Uh, I, I, I am excited to see the, as I said, the HTC One V um, with with those original HCC design elements. But other than that, there's nothing that really amazed me. I mean, what's out there is out there, right? And at this point, they either need, need to innovate with hardware or it's in Google's hands to innovate with the software. Um, in that sense, I think that's why Windows 8 was a bigger story 
at least in my eyes, than Mobile World Congress because with Windows 8, we are seeing something new, right? This is this is Windows in a way that we've never seen it before. Whereas yeah. with, with all these announcements, whether they're phones or tablets, they're, they're just selling you a spec sheet. You know, they're saying, hey, here's a faster processor. You know, you, wow, we have four cores now. Okay, great. What can I do with it? You know, it, it's, <laughs> it, you know, do I really need a quad core processor to run an ice cream sandwich? Um, I mean, the, the Asus pad phone, you know, that's pretty cool in terms of docking it inside into a, a slate and it becoming your tablet. Okay. I, I can buy into that, but all these little phones, uh, they're just spec bumps. Yeah, I'd, I'd kind of a, a agree with that summary. I mean, I <clears throat> I think I, it was before we started recording, but I, I did say that in some ways I was kind of hoping to see something new from Nokia, not just the 900 coming over here. I don't know if they announced the 610, but I was kind of hoping that there might be might be something else to talk about. And I'd also really hoped, although I can understand um, potentially why they haven't, but that Microsoft would start talking about uh, Windows Phone 8. Um, and then... Kind of, uh, as much as I'm enjoying using the consumer preview, I kind of, in a way, wish it was my first experience with it because, you know, it is an improvement over the developer preview, but it's kind of, you know, you kind of had had that experience. You know, it's nothing new. It's improved. It's but it's nothing new from from in terms of you know getting to play with it for the first time. Yeah. So, uh, be interested to see what Apple have for us next week. Yep. All right. <clears throat> well, with that, um, don't forget you can reach us at mobile at the Um You can also follow us on Twitter. I'm at Jose Ortiz. I'm at Database Chase. And I'm at John Dickinson. Sheldon is at Sheldon W. Um, you can also leave a comment on the post. So I think that's going to do it for show 104 the mwc recap and uh we'll see you next week uh, when we're talking about the ipad 3 can't wait yeah yeah looking forward to it (laughs) (laughs) all right guys see ya cheers guys